We bless this word today in Jesus' name and all those who are joining us this morning. Give us a heart to receive, a mind to perceive, and uh, an ear to hear that which you are saying. In the name of Jesus, I plead your blood upon the very atmosphere in this place, upon every word that will be spoken today. Let it come out, Father, and be a blessing in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. Let that which is weak be made strong. Let that which is fading, let the rain of the Holy Ghost come. Let it begin to sprout and thrive because there is power in your word in Jesus' name. Let all chains be broken today in Jesus' name. We have confidence in the power of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We are discussing today, Bazalwane, we want to address the the topic laying down our burdens or weight so that we can fight and fulfill destiny. We need to um, try by God's grace to, to let go. I know it is not an easy thing to do it only by the grace of God. So laying down our burden, we, we cannot fight. There is a scripture in the Bible that worries me. It's found in Ephesians 6. I often quote that scripture from time to time that says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. If I cannot fight and win against a human being, if I'm carrying weights and, and, and I've got load on me, if I cannot fight effectively and win that fight with things all over me, how much more when we are dealing with supernatural beings, we must ensure that there is nothing on us that weighs us down so that we are not, you know, we, we are not efficient in, 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 in war. We must be found to be effective. We must fight. There is so much to fight for family. And the Lord God has given us weapons and every equipment and apparatus spiritually to ensure that we fight and we win. And uh, so I'm trusting God this morning that as, as we begin to minister this word to you, as we minister it, things will begin, begin to, 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 to fall off you and you will see a need to lay certain things down because some of the things we have uh, been hanging on to them for years, all of us, because everybody has a story to tell. Everyone has a history. Every one of us, that you will never forget, that you would want to forget, but the enemy has always ensured that you, you kind of embrace that day and you don't let go of it so that it becomes part of it. The smell is there. The everything about the day is still so much with you. But God has a different perspective because the things which weigh us down, they are the things he wants us to hand over to him so he can deal with it. Amen. So today we, we start this service with a very uh, sad story found in the Old Testament. It's a depressing story. It's a story that finds its way in the Holy Scriptures because 
the Father in heaven knows that these, these are the realities that you and I have to grapple with in this life. The Bible is not a collection of, of sweet stories and, and holy stories. The Bible characters were normal people. The Bible is a book that is so transparent. God has got nothing to hide uh, because at the end of the day, he wins. So everything is laid out there so that we can see that even in our weakness, even when we go through things that they went through, he remains faithful. Sometimes they would pray and certain things would not happen. But I guarantee you that even in those instances, God won the day. Amen. In the bigger uh, scheme of things, one day when we get to heaven, you will realize that even the things that we thought that we had lost in the bigger scheme of things, when it comes to destiny, even those things, God has a way of working it all together for his glory. Amen. All things work together for good. For those who love him and for those who are called according to his purpose. So I want us to know that God is big and God is in charge. God is big and God is in charge. Amen. So this particular story is found in the Old Testament in the second book of Samuel. Uh, chapter 13 verses 7 to verse 14. The Bible says, And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. She took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, Have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom, that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made, and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king. For he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. What a, a strange story in the Bible. But the Bible has a number of stories like those. Now, verse 20 of the same chapter, verse 20d, it says, So Tamar remained desolate 
in her brother Absalom's house. She remained desolate in her brother's Absalom's house. Dingezuru Utamar washala eis kwebu. Nje. Enzi nika Absalom umne wabu washala eis kwebu. I didn't even know that that's how the Zulus puts it. From that point onwards, her life would change forever because of that which had happened. Something that she had never invited. She was in a place and she was sent there. She didn't even go there. She was sent there by the king whom she could not defy. And when she obeys the order, of the king according to protocols. When she gets to that destination, according to the wedding in this particular passage of scripture, she gets raped there. A sad story. Uh, she remained desolate. She remained desolate. The word desolate family, it means wasting away. Wasting away. In other words, uh, she was wasting away. Wasting away. If there is, while I'm getting on family, I'm getting feedback and it's distracting. So please let everybody mute right now so that I don't hear anyone in the background. Please. Thank you. So the, the word desolate means uh, wasting away. So when she was in that particular house because she could not go anywhere else, the Bible says now she went to her brother's Absalom's house. She probably continued to smile as though nothing had happened. You know, the fact of the matter is that from that day onwards, the poor lady, Tamar, she was wasting away. I want us to, to feel the gravity one of the things that it becomes difficult to do when you minister something like this is that we, we preach these things with excitement. But we don't get to understand and empathize with the character in the Bible. So I, I want you to understand. And for a moment, if we can place ourselves in her shoes and at that point in time and, and really begin to understand what was happening. The Bible says she was wasting away. You know, the fact that she may have continued to smile, she may have uh, been able to crack some jokes here and there, a sense of humor, you know, maybe she was a person of fashion, maybe she carried on doing uh, whatever she, she loved doing in terms of her talents and everything else that you would expect someone to do on a day-to-day -day basis. But the, the Bible says Tamar was wasting away. She was desolate. Now, the Lord wants this to stop because I, I want to say this to you, family. The truth is that most of us carry weights even today. Most of us, we carry something. There's something. There's a weight that even people who are, who are listening to me this morning uh, there's something that you carry. Uh, most of us have been able probably to deal with these things, you know, at different levels. But most of us still, most people, they have things that they have to grapple with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
So someone is carrying something right now. Could be a horrible experience, something that happened even years ago, but something happened, something happened, something happened, and when that thing happened, your life has never been the same again. An experience, if it would be cut out of your timeline in this life, your life would be different. It could be a number of years, a chunk of years. If that particular chunk of years would be cut out, like a surgeon and in a theater room would just operate, if it, as it were, and just cut out that, that portion of your, of your life out, your life would turn out different. So we are at different levels of depth in terms of what we are grappling with, Mazalwan. They, they are different levels and they are different stages of healing. Uh, most of us are, are still are still still really really battling to deal with stuff that happened uh, years ago, months ago. I don't know how long we have been uh, carrying this weight on your shoulders. Some of us, uh, it, it seems lighter today than it was before, but it is still there. You can still, when this thing is referred to, it still hurts you. One of the signs that you have gotten over something is that when it is made reference to, it does not hurt you. Uh, when he was asked to show uh, the, the wounds in, his, in the palm of his hands, as much as he had been betrayed and that was done in, in cruelty, but when he showed them the palm of his hands, he did not feel anything because he had already released it, he had already forgiven them. So we try, I know family, we try, all of us, we try to put religious makeup on these wounds over, but it festers underneath. You know, the pain somehow, it moves through the cracks of spiritual cosmetics that we try to put over it. Somehow it manifests itself. Our pain, your pain, and the pain of everybody that would listen to what I'm, I'm, I'm addressing this morning, your pain has, has, has lived through many uh, conferences, church conferences. It has lived through many prayer meetings, six to six prayer meetings. Your pain has lived through and outlived many prophecies, and atmospheres that you found yourself in. But at the end of that process, when the preacher said, Amen, you felt the weight again come on you. Because something in here just won't let it go. But I want you to know that that's what the father is zeroing, in, zeroing on in the, this morning. He's honing on that particular issue. That is his preoccupation today. To zero in on something is when you focus on it. When you cast your gaze upon that thing. Now we, we can pray. We can do all the, you know, the, the, the aerobics and all the stuff that we do, which, we, you know. But there are things which matter to the Lord. Because he knows that that's where your core is. That's where you and I are heading. We may do all the other activities in the kingdom, 
But as long as that issue remains, everything else that we do proves to be insignificant because we are going to be effective in this life when that particular key thing, it's central, it's pivotal. When that thing is taken care of and the breath of God breathes upon it and we allow him to take it and deal with it, that's when our life begins to change for the better. So sadly, family, there is that experience that has changed you. It has changed your life. It has changed you. Now, what I want to address right now is how does your burden serve the enemy? How does my burden serve the devil? Because you like it or not, it does serve him. We would not want that to happen, but it just the way it is. You know, sadly and so unfortunately that he does not consider the fact that we, we have been wronged. We have been abused. We did not invite this thing into our life. But we find ourselves having to go through this without us having brought it in. Yet when that happens, he capitalizes on it. And he wants to exploit it and he does for his own gain. Now I want to address that family. Now I want you to, to listen to me this morning and I, I pray. Let me just take this moment. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray that you speak beyond that which my words can utter. And you begin to open that key, that padlock that has been locked. It's gone rust for years in the heart of your people in Jesus' name. That weight that has been there for years. Father, even as I speak your word, let there be a release. Let there be deliverance in the name of Jesus. Let there be a dismantling and a breaking of chains and shackles for your glory. For you want your people to be released so they can be effective. For you said thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth. They are the people who are to manifest yes, your kingdom. How do they manifest if they are burdened? So I pray in Jesus' name. That even as I minister this word, oh God, you open their eyes to see. Bazalwan, first of all, see, your trauma, your pain was not just about you. Your pain was not just about you. Now, I want you to understand that from this day onwards until the day the Lord takes you, when you are in your 90s, however long keeps you here, your pain... There are different levels of pain, but there's that pain that's traumatic that changes everything about you. That pain is never about you alone. That pain is always meant to hurt generations after you. Listen to me this morning. Your pain is always meant to hurt generations after you. So you are not just the, 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 the only target. It may have landed... You may have been the landing strip, and, and sadly, you were. But it was never only about you. So the longer 
we keep the pain in our system, the more cemented, the more cemented and the more embedded it becomes. Now, scientific research family uh, has been endorsing this view that the things which are it's very spiritual, but science has been endorsing it, uh, given the research that, that has been coming out, that the, the, the experiences that, that are very painful, the things which we go through and, and, and they just become, they take habitation in our system. Now, those, those things have a way of impacting the second, even the third generation of those who are going to be coming after us, our posterity, so to speak. Now, I wanted to listen to this before I carry on this morning. Uh, according to Science Daily, uh, Science Daily is a, a Zurich-based publication in Switzerland. Now, in 2014, uh, they released an article. Now, according to this article, just two lines there, it says extreme and traumatic events can change a person and often years later even affect their children. Mm. Right. Now, I want you to note that because it's important. So a traumatic experience stamps itself in our DNA, according to what they are saying. A traumatic experience can stamp itself on our DNA. Now, the New York Times, New York Times in 2018, uh, a gentleman by the name of Benedict Carey uh, wrote an article entitled, Can We Really Inherit Trauma? And he writes, the idea is that trauma can leave a chemical mark on a person's genes, which is passed down to subsequent generations. Let me repeat that. He says the idea is that uh, trauma can leave a chemical mark on a person's genes, which is passed down to subsequent or next future generations. He came to that conclusion when he was answering the question, can we really inherit trauma? Now, let me give you the last one uh, on these on this scientific researches that, that, that came out. Uh, BBC Future uh, released the following in March last year, 2019, only last year. They're saying our children are shaped by the genes they inherit from us. But new research is revealing that experiences of hardship or violence can leave their mark too. Then they continue to say, the effects of trauma may echo down several generations from a grandfather to their son and then to their grandson. Just think about that family. All along we have been thinking about the fact that this is my baby. Why did I have to? Of course, those questions are, are well, I mean, they are, you are in your place to ask those questions. You are not wrong to ask such questions. But we begin to understand that it's not even about you alone. Mm. This is why these issues of, of repentance, you will discover this as we go along. Why the Lord? Uh, because through forgiveness, you begin to, you, you, you are protecting the next generation. So what, what you went through then, family, according to what we, 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 we have been discussing, now what you went through 
was basically a seed that was planted by Satan. Now listen to me. What she went through. Now we went through different things. My the scripture that we read was on 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 molest sexual uh, you know molestation, but you have gone through different things. But whatever you have gone through, I'm not talking about uh, uh, the, 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 the rape here as a weight. There are a lot of, of, of weights we are carrying, the different experiences. Whatever that you have gone through, if that thing brought so much trauma and it hit you to the point where your life, you felt it in your very core and it even changed you. That's what I'm referring to. There's a lot of pains, you know, you can... You can, you can go outside and you greet someone and they don't greet you back. Now that is, that's painful, but I'm not, that's, that's not traumatic. That's not what gets passed on. What gets passed on is what hits you at your very, in your soul, to your very core. That's what we are referencing here this morning. So what I'm saying is whatever you went through, there was a seed that was planted by Satan uh, in your life. Now listen to this family. He wanted you to be, now I wanted to learn this word. He went through the experience you went through. He wanted you to be a progenitor. Progenitor is the originator, uh, an originator of a, 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 a general case that will come afterwards. Let me repeat that. When the enemy planted that seed in you through that experience, he wanted you to be the progenitor. It's the word. An originator, where everything originates, of a general case that would come. So in, in, in the bloodline, if no one repents, if you won't forgive, in other words, what happens is you become a stencil for future generations. If you know what a stencil is, you become a stencil for future generations. In other words, the... Everyone who's going to come after you will be drawing from your soul, will be drawing from that DNA which has been stamped by that trauma. When I read, when I was reading, I also found out that the children of, 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 of the Jews who went through that Holocaust so many years ago, that traumatic experience, it still affects them today. If a person who was, uh, was, was involved in that thing, some of them survived it, but they couldn't handle it and they couldn't in the spirit because if we don't deal with it in the spirit, it's not just about me not wanting to forgive somebody because, you know, it's, it's about me having a revelation of, of, of a, a full picture of what the scheme of the enemy is concerning this thing. Now, when, I, when, when, when you look at your trauma and your experience from this day onwards, I want you to have an aerial view and look at it through this kingdom perspective, which I'm addressing to you today. It was never about you alone. You happen to be the recipient of the trauma. But the enemy, whenever he plans, he is transgenerational. That's who he is. He is transgenerational. So what I was addressing was that we then become a stencil. You would know what a stencil is. A stencil for future generations. Now, I can choose to be a stencil or I can dismantle the stencil in my soul through the blood of Jesus, through repentance, 
and through forgiveness. That you may have to do that screaming, but because you are carrying generations in your loins right now, you are carrying generations in your loins. There, are, there is a death that I might have to die so that I can protect the future that is in my loins. Amen. So, second thing, family, that the enemy seeks to achieve uh, because of what you went through and what I went through myself, which I will relate to you maybe some other time, but by God's grace, I was on my knees and I was weeping so that I could release it, so that I could protect those who are coming after me. And I, I keep on, you know, I have to pray those prayers strong in Jesus' name so that you can suck it out of your system. And Jesus Christ, once you hand it over to him, he has a way of dealing with it. Now, second, see, he meant for the pain to reproduce after its own kind in you. He meant for that, because he planted the seed, but he meant for the pain in me to reproduce in me after its own kind. So what happens is the seed, when I, 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 I mentioned the word seed, I wanted to remember that it's the experience. I'm referencing the experience that he went through. So the seed of pain and trauma impregnates your soul. Let me repeat that. The seed of pain and trauma makes your soul pregnant with something. It impregnates your soul. So it produces anger. It, it, it produces an offspring after its own kind. It never goes alone because it's a seed. So it produces anger. It produces a, a short temper. It produces hatred. There is an identity crisis that's born. There is depression that's born. There is confusion that's born. There are suicidal thoughts that get born. Now, when he plants the seed, he got your soul pregnant with something. This is the only time and this is the only place where abortion is allowed in scripture. Because whatever the enemy plants in me must be aborted. Whatever the enemy plants in your soul and in my soul, I cannot incubate that thing for too long. Of course, it's not, it's, it's, it's not as easy as one would think it is. You know, I understand that you, you go through a, a process, but family, we cannot keep that thing indefinitely because the more I hold on to it, the more it cements itself in my soul and my DNA, the more it changes me into someone I was never meant to be. So those already around you, because of the pain that you went through, see, they, there's one thing as impacting the next generations, but there are people who are already in our midst. My soul is already poisonous in one way or the other, I might not see it. You know, it may not be obvious to me, but those already around you, your pain already poisons them in different measures, family, at different levels. Some of it, it would be very subtle, but in other instances, it would be very obvious because what happens is your pain reconfigures 
everything about you. It reconfigures your family and your relationships because it becomes the well from which everyone drinks. It becomes the lens and the filter through which you look at everything in your life. That's why it cannot be kept there indefinitely. Uh, your husband, your wife, your children will suffer or are even now, even as I speak to you, are already suffering because of what someone else did. Someone else who pained you. That was a seed. That was the whole point. That it, it changes you. It changes those around you. And then it changes those who are coming after you, your generations. Imagine the cruelty of the enemy. It changes me. It changes those around me because my soul is now contaminated. My attitude changes even towards them. I am irritable. I'm short-tempered. Something of me is taken away, was taken away by that experience. I am not the man I used to be. I'm not the woman I used to be. They used to enjoy my presence. They used to enjoy the old me. But when this happened, there was the agenda of the enemy to destroy me, to destroy those around me, and to destroy those coming after me. So, family, we, we must let go. I cannot say this with excitement. I, I, I have to understand that it will never be easy because what we have also learned is that some people, the reason why they feel, uh, I mean, it's, it's, they find it difficult to let go of these experiences is because when, when, if they can still remember the experience, it's like they can still be angry because they want to be angry still. Because they, 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 they really feel that they didn't deserve that. And they, they, they didn't deserve it. No one deserves, most of the time, such things, family. You didn't deserve that. And the more I, I harbor the anger, it's like I, I've got the person here to tell them off, even when they are not here. But the Lord Jesus would want us to cast that burden because there's a life to live. There is a destiny to possess. There is a land to possess. There is a walk to walk with him. But I cannot walk that walk with things on my back. I am bent over. I am slow. I cannot fight. I'm not even enjoying life because of what happened. So this is a serious poison, family. It's a serious poison in our soul. Again, we didn't invite it, but I must tell you, family, that we cannot keep these things in us indefinitely. We must find a way by God's grace, by God's strength, to let go of the pain that is in us. Another thing that you must understand about pain is that it wants the honor of building a legacy long after you are gone. It, it ties up with what I've already mentioned. Satan, through the pain, the pain wants the honor of building a, a, a legacy long after you are gone. It seeks permanence. Now, we must not allow it that honor 
because we are kingdom people, we understand the agenda of the enemy. It's a glorious thing to have the word of God preached to us so that we can understand the, the mind of God and look at circumstances the way he looks at them and begin to embrace that which he gives to us by the Spirit in Jesus' name. So this is why, family, this thing must be drained out of our blood. I must not give my anger and my unforgiveness an eternal status. I must not give my anger and my unforgiveness an eternal status. I cannot house it indefinitely. I must let it go because I'm a warrior, because I was born for his glory. One of my responsibilities is not just to fight for me, but to fight and protect the generations coming after me. If, even if I have to lay down my life and do things which I would never have to do, and I, you know, I wouldn't want to do those things, but because the Lord God, who knows way more than I do, would instruct me to do those things so I would obey. That's what serving God is about, uh, God's family. And I pray in the name of Jesus that even as I minister this word to you, the Holy Spirit will breathe upon your heart and will give you the grace and the mercy to break those old chains so that you are set free in Jesus' name. Because there are fights. I want to fight with you. I want all of us alongside each other. There's so much work that we, might, that we need to do. I want to pray with you. You need to engage in warfare and, and restore destinies together. And cause the nation to fall in love with Jesus together. But how do we go and pray together when we are caring so much? Forgiveness, just briefly, family. It's a topic you, you, have, you might have read lots of books. That's what I'm, what I'm going to talk about this morning. There are a lot of books which I didn't even look at. Uh, because I'm trusting God for a word you know, for you. Uh, not just a piece of literature. Forgiveness, Bazalwane, confuses the enemy because it is unexpected. It confuses the enemy. A person who has been hurt, a person who has been wronged like you have, the person who has, been, who has undergone what you have undergone is not expected by the system to release it. So forgiveness confuses the enemy because it is unexpected. Forgiveness takes the power away from the offender. Because as long as I am harboring that experience and I will not release it, he has a hook. That thing has, it has a hook in my soul. So it takes the power away from the offender. When, when I release what happened in 19... Uh, 87 I cut away the past from the present so that when I am in the present I don't have the past whispering stuff to me I need to enjoy the present I need to be able to look into the future most people alive today family who have not released things they are walking towards their future backwards 
people who have not released, people who have not uh, been able to get to a place of forgiveness. They walk towards their future backwards because their eyes, their gaze are at their past. God wants us to be in the present, looking towards our future because the past, not because it's been easy, because we trust him to cut it from us. We release it. And I say, Father, I forgive him. Often with tears down our cheeks, Father, I forgive him. And Father, I release him. I release her in Jesus' name. Forgiveness, it places power back to you. You determine how you feel. It places, back, it places the power emotionally back in your hands. Not in the experience or in the pain. And finally, as Lord we can say, to forgive means to let go. To forgive, the definition of that word uh, in, the, in the Bible now, it means to let go. It's just like you, you cut it loose. You let go. Now, in the kingdom, we let go by forgiving. I'm going to come to the place, what happens with the person we are cutting off? Are they just let go, Scott, free? That's it. The Lord is asking so much of me. What about them? Now, the Lord God addresses that too. I'm going to come to that. Now, repentance, just two things there. Because for us to be able to cut, to, to, to destroy the stencil in us, such that it, it, it does not uh, communicate itself to the next generation, it's repentance and it's forgiveness how, how does repentance come into the picture here because you say but i didn't even do anything wrong in most cases people would say what must i repent for he must repent she must repent she's the one who's to blame if is if there's anyone to go to hell it's them i didn't do anything wrong tama would you know probably say the same thing but the Bible has this to say, family. Repentance is for caring. Now, I must, I must say this with much sensitivity because it must not communicate to you to say that there is a, 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 an extra burden that God is placing over you. But I want you to look at this as a warrior, as someone who is fighting for the next generation. Look at what I'm going to say now. Uh, as someone, look at yourself as someone who is fighting for the purity of the next generation. Mm -hmm. Let me repeat that because I'm about to say something here. What I'm about to say, I want you to look at yourself as someone who is fighting for the purity of the next generation. Repentance, I would repent for what happened to me for carrying Satan's babies in my womb. I would repent for carrying Satan's babies in my womb, for carrying that anger for too long. You know, initially, family, it would be understood. I, I, I know the Father in heaven understands us more than we understand ourselves. When I get wronged, I will be angry. I will, I will be angry. I'll be angry to the point of just really, really losing it, you know. And when I get wronged, 
there would be a, 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 an element of, of hatred that arises in my heart because I was wronged. Now, we are human beings, we have a soul. Those things would come. There would be something in me that says, let him die and go rot in hell. I don't care what happens. Let him die and just spend eternity in hell. Let him burn while he lives and while burning, drop dead. I'm being honest with you. Because we have gone through different levels of trauma. It's easy for someone to say forgive and let go. If they haven't gone through what you have gone through. I don't know your pain. I don't know the depth of your pain. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend as if I understand your problem. As if I understand the depth. How deep we have sunk into this thing. All I need to do, family, is to communicate to you the word, which I know it is God's will for you. Not presumptuously, not as, as someone who's preaching it to you, but as your father in the spirit, who somehow I must find a way of placing that in your heart with love so that you may receive it and accept it. I understand that it's like nursing someone who is bleeding, Nursing a wound that is so sensitive. I cannot just come and just do whatever. I must be sensitive to the fact that the wound is raw and you are bleeding. So I repent, Father, for all the anger and I harbored in my heart. Now, as I pray this family, I have in my heart my posterity, the next generation. Father, I, I repent for the unforgiveness. I repent for the hatred. I repent for whatever offspring that got born in my soul as a result of the spermata in Greek that the enemy planted in my soul through that experience. Repent for not seeing Satan's transgenerational agenda through your pain. So that's when, family, I would find myself on my knees. Repentance, through repentance, I cut myself loose from this thing and I, I protect the next generation. So do I when I forgive the person and I release the experience. So what happens with the offender? What happens with that one? The funny thing is this. They don't even feel sorry. They are, you, you, you see them. They even, they are cynical about it. You know? They don't care. You know, sometimes it's even, people have told me this and it's, it's a fact. You know how easy it is to forgive someone who shows some remorse, who's, who shows some signs of feeling sorry for something, you know. Um, they, they, they break down and they just, they, just, they just get finished. When they remember what happened, what they did to you, what they did to me, what they did to everybody. But there are people in this life who don't care. They don't care. They would, they would wish that they, they had done 
triple what they did. And those are the people that the Bible says we must forgive. But now we know that it's not even about them. We are cutting them loose because as long as they are here, it's like their hand is in my soul. They are just, their hand is, is dug in here and they are manipulating my emotions. They are twist, they are reconfiguring, they are changing my identity. They are made, they, they just, it's, it's like they are pressing all the buttons to transform me into a person I was never meant to be. They have so much power. They have so much authority over my life. They determine what my moods. I'm happy. I am sad. They determine what, what, what presses my buttons. I would watch something on TV. Somebody Then I would then go to my room and begin to break down. That's how much power. That's how much authority they have in my life. When I see them, something just breaks. It's just it's something goes loose in my head. If I was a robot, there would be smoke coming out of my ears at that moment. What happens to the offender? Does he or she get away scot-free? Now, come with me, family. I want us to go to Genesis 9, uh, verses 18 to 25. I, I have, just give me 10 minutes, if you will. Genesis chapter 9, not Genesis chapter 9, uh, verses 18 to verse number 25. The Bible says, Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. And Noah began to be a farmer, and the, he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk, and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, I want to, I want to, I want to repeat that, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, listen to this, Cast be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. Now, some of you may already be seeing this. Some of you may not. Now, who sinned? Ham. Who was judged? Canaan. Let me repeat that. Who sinned? Ham. Who was judged? Canaan. Who was Canaan? Ham's son. See, God says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, watch this. And Jeremiah says, 
you show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them, the great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts. You see, family, you may see someone who hurt you. And if that person will never repent, of course, whatever happened to you, their future generations will pay the price for what happened to you. Let me repeat that. They may be cynical about it. They may be arrogant about it and proud and pompous. Beautiful way. Walking tall. They don't care. But their generations will carry the weight and they will be punished for that which happened to you. It's what the Bible says. Ham sins, Canaan receives the punishment. Now, I wanted to understand that. So, forgive and repent and let God be God. Forgive and repent and let God be God. You think, you know, you and I want justice. Trust me, family. The very foundation of his throne is on justice. He knows what justice is. If there is one person who knows what justice is, it's God. So what you went through is not swept under the carpet just because you forgave. The Lord God who is mighty in battle is a God of justice. He will not allow those who offended to go scot-free. So what I'm saying this morning as we're about to close, forgive and repent. That's my responsibility. And let God be God. Put down the weight. It's been a long time, family. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. It's time to put down the weight. You must be, you must be really tired. You must be really, really tired. Some of us are carrying the weight because we, 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 we are blaming God. You know, we, we, the, for unanswered uh, prayers. Lay it down, family. Lay it down. Lay down the weight. For Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Zanini came in a nonk and cataleo. Nenny Sindua, your minangia gun pomosa. Bekani e joker. Lami pesguenu, nifunde gemi. Gogubangim nene. Gitobil and tizio. Corner in pefumloe no yak fumana in pomoso. Gokuba e jogalam lise. Nom tolua mulola. You are not meant to carry any other weight, family. Yes. The burden we are meant to carry is the burden of the Lord. There is no other. Your soul was not meant to carry what it's carrying right now. Your shoulders were not meant to carry what it's carrying right now. It's time to put it down and let God be God. I'm closing, Bazalwa. 
On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Let's drink, Mazone, from this particular fountain. Not the fountain of pain anymore. Not the fountain of unforgiveness. Not the fountain of hatred. Let's drink of the fountain of the Lord. Jesus is offering this morning rivers of living waters today if you would let him in Jesus' name. Let's pray, family. Oh, Father, I pray for your people today. Not an easy word to preach. But Father, I trust you for your people. I trust you for your people this morning. For there is so much that we need to do in this life. And I pray that you give them the grace. Even right now, oh God, I thank you for what's happening in their hearts, in their soul. I thank you for the chains that are breaking. In the name of Jesus Christ, I break those chains, Father, right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, the chains that have been there for years, let them be broken right now. The enemy had hoped that that this would linger for much longer. It would gain permanence. He had hoped that this would be given an eternal status because she wouldn't forgive He wouldn't forgive and their children would carry the same DNA and the same thing that happened to us would happen to them. And so it would carry on for generations to come. But Father, today we chose to take the stencil, let it be broken in the name of Jesus. I will not be the progenitor of a generational case. I refuse to be the patient ground zero for that which is to come. Father, in the name of Jesus, even personally in my own life, again, those who have offended, those who abused and exploited, they took advantage of us. Father, I release this morning in the name of Jesus. I let go. Why? Because I want to walk with you. I want to experience the fullness of God in my life, in the land of the living for the glory of God in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, family. Hallelujah. Unmute them, my love. 